Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles. And so we're going to be moving back to front. As a pediatrician was examining a four-year-old girl. And as he looked into her ears with an otoscope, he said, Do you think I'll find Sleeping Beauty in here? The little girl didn't say a thing, just kind of looked at him kind of strange. Next, he took out a tongue depressor and he looked down her throat and he said, Do you think I'll find Little Mermaid in here? She just still looked at him but never said anything. He took out a stethoscope and he put it to her chest and said, Do you think I'll find Wonder Woman in there? Now, this got her attention. She looked at him and said, Oh, no. Jesus is in my heart. Wonder Woman is on my underpants. <laughs> now, I don't know who you'd get Wonder Woman underpants from. But I do know where you get Jesus in your heart from. It's from the Holy Spirit. Now, I wouldn't know that. Wouldn't dare to tell you that unless God revealed it here. Let me show you. Through his earliest apostles and disciples in writings that we call a New Testament. God said some things that he wanted you to hear so that you would live this life to the fullest. A life so full that it wouldn't ever stop being full. It would just keep going and going. Through Jesus' best friend, John, one of the first writers to introduce us to the importance of the Holy Spirit. John wants to talk about this role that this third part of the Godhead, this third aspect of the Trinity, this third, this third part of the family of the Trinity wants to be in our lives. Over the last couple of weeks, I have done my best to point you to this advocate, to this friend who Jesus said would be more beneficial to us than his own presence. And if you've ever thought, doubt that, the disciples would have agreed with you. I guarantee you. On the night that he's about to be betrayed, when these words were originally spoken, if a silent ballot had been cast among the disciples, which would you prefer, Jesus with you or Jesus in you? Silent ballot, which would you prefer? I have to believe unanimously the disciples would have said, with me. And I think 2,000 years later, you'd say the same thing. But you know what? That still didn't change God's plan. At all. Not then and it won't now. Hear the word of the Lord. If you love me and obey me, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comfort. And he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who leads into all truth. Now, the world at large cannot receive him. For it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do. He lives with you now. But someday he will be in you. And somebody says... Maybe for an apostle, but not me. Maybe for an elder or a Bible class teacher, but not me. God knew you'd say that. And so he recorded the Spirit's coming to be in us in writing. He knew you'd doubt. Peter just delivered the first gospel sermon publicly to announce to the world that God, through the cross, had offered them the chance to have their sins forgiven. And that through the resurrection would offer them the opportunity to never die. And that so touched their hearts that they actually cried out, the text says, Brothers, what do we do with this? How do we handle all of that? And Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and to your kids. Lean in, church. And for all who are far off, 
for all whom the Lord God will call. Wow. I think you're all. I think I'm part of the all. The gift of the Holy Spirit who is like wind, John says, the gift of the Holy Spirit who is like fire is available to everyone. This scripture tells us whom the Lord God calls. And if you're listening online or if you're listening to my voice this morning, that's you. He made sure today you were here at the Kerrville Church of Christ to hear this message. I don't know what brought you here, but this is the reason you're here. He wants to talk to you. He wants to call you this morning and give you a gift like you've never, ever maybe received. I hope you've seen in the last two weeks that this Holy Spirit is not a power. He's a person. He's not a force. He's a friend. And and, and he's a powerful friend. He's a powerful person. And I know you know powerful people. The Spirit is like no powerful person you know. I promise you. When he's in the house, he's a different house. And I know you can think of a lot of things in life that, that have just changed the world. Well, how could you think of racial equality in this country without thinking of Dr. Martin Luther King? You can't. How could you think about the Patriots winning five Super Bowls without Tom Brady? Truth is, you can't. How in the world, biblically, can we think of the church of Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit? The truth is, we can't. So, but Jimmy, what, what's his purpose? <laughs> okay, you've talked to me about him being a person. you talked to me about him being a powerful person. But what's his purpose? So glad you asked. For starters, the Spirit draws us to Christ. This is huge. No one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. John says that in chapter 6 and verse 44. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3, the Bible says no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now that's the American Standard Version. In the New Living Bible it says no one can say Jesus is Lord and really mean it unless the Holy Spirit is helping him. Now I know you're thinking, Jimmy, I don't get it. Any parrot can say, ah, Jesus is Lord. You're right. Any parrot could parrot that. And you could too. But God's revealing to you this morning, you can't do that and mean it without who? The Holy Spirit. You see, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, which I didn't put up on the screen, but you can turn to when you get home. The Bible says this, and again, it's a revelation that you wouldn't know unless God decided to speak it into our lives. But he says, you humans don't get it. But from the moment that you rebel against me, you welcome death into your life. And he tries to share that with us in all kinds of ways through this story of his. But he says to you, everyone who sins deserves death. The wages of sin is death. And so Ephesians 2 and verse 1 is going to say to everyone who is dead because of their sins, you can't respond to God on your own. How many of you have been around a dead thing lately? That all? How many of you have driven by something you knew was dead? Well, I don't know what that was, but it's dead. When something's dead, how much of a conversation can you have with it? 
How much can that, that dead thing respond? What can that dead thing do? Nothing, right? Dead is dead. And God's trying to say, if you're a human being, yes, you can walk and you can talk and you can breathe and you can do stuff, but as far as a relationship with me, dead, impossible, can't happen. That rebellion brought death into our relationship, whether you knew it or not. I'm just revealing to you it did. And unless the Holy Spirit draws you, unless the Holy Spirit helps you at all, you don't even get started in the saving process. Now, for some of us in this room, that's news to us because we kind of thought we were the ones who started it. No, sir. You were so dead without the Spirit's help, you can't even respond to God if you wanted to. Because the truth is, you wouldn't want to without Him. So that's one of the things the Spirit does. He draws us into Christ. The second thing the Spirit does is He's going to, once He draws you, He's going to convict you. He will. He's responsible for that conviction that you feel. Now, not guilt, but conviction. There's a difference. He will convict you when you know something's wrong because he doesn't want you to keep doing that. Any parent wants to help their child. They'll convict their children. They really don't want to guilt their children, but they'll convict their children when they see them about to stick something in an electric socket, right? That's not a plug. If it's a fork or a toy, they, they will tell them, no, no, not good. Because they're... They're wanting them to live. In the same way, God says, when the Spirit comes into your life, it's not just rules you're breaking, it's, his, it's, it's God's heart you're breaking. And it's you you're breaking. And the people around you you're breaking. And so He will convict you of your sin. You don't want to do this anymore. Now, we read that earlier in our text, and let me reread it again. When He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of the availability of God's goodness and the deliverance from judgment. The Spirit will do that. That's what He does. It's part of His purpose. His purpose is to draw us into a relationship, convict us of what we've done wrong so that we can stop doing that, leave that alone, don't go near that. But I love, that He didn't just say, I'm here to convict you of sin. No. And to make you aware of the availability of God's goodness and of deliverance from judgment. So glad He put the whole full meal deal there. He doesn't just stop at you make divine mistakes. No, because he's good, he goes on to say, but you can have divine mercy and you can have divine deliverance because here's the third purpose. He frees us. He frees us. He doesn't just forgive us, he frees us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, yes, and by the Spirit of our God. The Holy Spirit's involved in cleaning you up and sanctifying you. Don't let that word scare you, those of you who are not quite sure what the sanctification is. It's just a purification process. Sometimes big events, big happenings require big words, and it's the word sanctification in Scripture. That He doesn't just forgive you, but He sanctifies you. He purifies you all the while you walk with Him and welcome Him into your life. And that's huge. And it's a lifelong process. How many of you here wish it would go faster? I do. I sure wish you'd get on to sanctifying me faster, but I keep thinking about that dad walking with his little toddler. And you know how, fa how fast a dad can go walking with a little toddler who's just learned to walk? Not very. That's not so much for the dad's benefit as it is for the child's, right? There's only so much cleaning up and growing up you can do. That's how bad you are without him. So he goes slow. You can only handle so much sanctification so fast.
I wish it would go faster, but, but you can know this. Philippians 2 and verse 13 is a promise he makes to you. God is at work where? In you. To will and to work for his good pleasure. He's going to even help you with the want to. That's why you need this Holy Spirit in your life. Last week you heard of the power of the Spirit and what he did when he brought to Kim Valdez life, a life that enabled her to break free from being another man's property. I still couldn't get rid of that this week. She was another man's property, arranged so by her own mother. And he beat her, tried to beat the life out of her, made life miserable for her and her kids. But Jesus Christ intervened there and helped her escape a bad situation and right now is empowering her through the Spirit to raise her kids in safety and equip her with a college degree to have a life she never thought she could have. That's what the Spirit does. He frees us and He empowers us. Ah! <laughs> I just wish I could preach this better. Because the Word of God wants us to know this Holy Spirit is not just a holy thought. He is a holy person, a powerful holy person who has a very powerful purpose in your life. And I was reminded this week in a funny way about how powerful purpose can be. A minister was called to a local nursing home to perform a wedding at a nursing home, all right? And an anxious old fellow met him at the door and the pastor sat down to counsel the man and he asked him a couple of questions. Do you love her? The old man said, well, I guess. Is she a good Christian woman? I don't know for sure. Well, does she have lots of money? He said, I, I, I doubt it. Well, the pastor said to him, well, why are you marrying her? Because she can drive at night. <laughs> now, those of you over 60 thought that was funny. And those of you under 60 are thinking, we got that many people over 60 in our church? Oh, yeah. And we love them. It's important to be connected to people with a purpose. The Holy Spirit is a person of power that desires to be in your life with a purpose. We talked about a couple of them. Let's keep going on. Number four, the Spirit affirms you belong to Christ. Yes, the Spirit draws you into a relationship with Christ. He convicts you of that sin that, that keeps you from Christ and a life in Christ. And He empowers you to break free from it and be everything that God wants you to be. But He will affirm to you consistently and constantly, you belong to me. Because you get messages every single day that say you don't belong anywhere. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be young enough. You'll never be old enough. You'll never be handsome enough. You'll never be capable enough. You'll never be prepared enough. You'll never be trained enough. You'll never belong here. And God says, wrong. And he said it loudest through a cross. I so love you, I would do that for you. And whoever would believe in that would never perish but have everlasting, real, honest to goodness what? You may not belong to anybody, you may not belong anywhere, but you belong to me. Hear his word in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. And so, Christians, we should not be like cringing, fearful slaves, but we should behave like God's very own children, adopted into the bosom of his family, calling him Father, Father, for his Holy Spirit speaks deeply in our hearts and tells us we really are God's children. You heard that this week. It was a spirit who was whispering that. The question is, 
Who are you going to listen to? The world that says you don't matter and you don't belong or the one who made the world and says, oh baby, yes you do. You matter to me and can belong to me. Spirit affirms that we belong to Christ. That we're a part of this family, but the Spirit also gives gifts to those family members. Never doubt this. He is the real Santa Claus. Sorry, He really is. Some of those gifts that He gives could come from no other place than out of this world. Here's some that make the list. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages. And to still another an interpretation of those languages. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He determines. What a powerful person with a purpose. And that is to gift you, my friend, to accomplish His purposes in this world. In Romans chapter 12, there's a little bit different list. Not near spectacular but every bit is supernatural when they're a gift from God. The gifts of serving, the gift of encouraging, the gift of mercy, the gift of leadership. Again, not as spectacular, but every bit is supernatural when He gives it to you. And listen to me, He promises each one of you gets a gift. Nobody's left out. Have you ever had a place in your life or a part of your life when you didn't get one of those? Not in this family. Not in God's family. Now, I don't know what your gift's going to be. I'm not in charge of that. The Spirit is. Just be assured that you will be given one that will bless your life, yes, but more so will bless our life together as a family because we need that gift here. And if you don't allow it to flourish in you and get used for us and for the benefit of the world out there, we miss out. Not the same family without you. The Spirit has other purposes. Here they are very quickly. The Spirit will help you pray with Christ. The Spirit will enable you to speak up for Christ in hard situations. The Spirit will help transform you to look like Christ. Galatians chapter 5 says, you're not as loving as you want to be, I'll help you. I'll help you be loved. I'll help you be joyful and peaceful and kind and good and faithful. And I'll help you with some self-control. If you don't have it, I'll help. Stay connected to me. Abide with me. Remain in me. And you watch what I do in you. That's your job. Connect, remain, abide. And it's my job to bring those fruits through the vine and into your life. Now, he's standing up over there taking a sip of coffee. Ron's teaching the class downstairs on Sunday morning for the next 14 weeks. He's discussing some of these purposes that, that the Spirit wants to do in us, would like to have the ability and the chance to operate in us. He's going to talk about gifts. He's going to talk about fruit. And if you've never had a class in the Holy Spirit, I'm wondering, why aren't you down there? Really? I don't know when you're going to have an opportunity to have another class like that. I hope he has to move it into the auditorium. There's so many people who say, I want to know more about this Holy Spirit, and I want to hear what she has to say about how she's 
had a relationship with and what it means over here. And could we just all study them together? Maybe not in that room, but would you study with us? And here's why. I need your help to say to the person next to you, you need help. Turn to the person next to you and help them out, all right? You need help. Go ahead and tell them. Now, some of you be nice about this. Now, that could just be a preacher's tool to help you cement something that's important. But some of you walked in here this morning, and you don't think you need help from anybody. God says, wrong. You need help. And that's why I'm sending my Holy Spirit into your life. The task at hand is being light in a dark world. You want to do that by yourself? This church has a mission of leading ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. You want to do that by yourself? And God says, I don't want you to. And so, I will supply supernatural gifts in a supernatural family to accomplish a supernatural mission. If you'll welcome it. He will be like the fresh wind of courage in your sails when you're standing next to a casket of someone that matters. And you need some courage. He will be like the fresh wind of courage when you're standing in front of a class and someone's challenging who your friends are or why you're dressed that way. He will be like a fresh wind of courage when you're standing in the boss's office and he lets you know your job isn't available any longer. He will be like the fire to light your way through times of deep marriage struggles. He will be like the fire that you sometimes feel in the midst of a chemotherapy treatment. He will be like a fire in the darkness of depression. And you know why God chooses wind and fire? Because we understand wind and fire. Go on to the East Coast and talk to them about how powerful wind can be. They're seeing it in a disruptive force. But oh my goodness, most of the time, it's that powerful force of the wind that's blowing those clouds around that have just blown into us and we have just received a refreshing God-sent rain that we have needed so much. Thank you, Father. So much more of the time, the wind is moving those things around and moving things in our lives. We get the power and the beauty of wind in our lives. We also get the power and the beauty of fire. Fire lights the way. Fire comforts on a dark night. Fire heals wounds. Those are two powerful images. That's not what the Spirit is. He's not wind. He's not fire. But He's like those things. The Bible uses the language of fire especially as we close this lesson. Because I think particularly wants us to understand the responsibility of the Spirit is to bring fire into your life. And the responsibility you have is to treat it with respect and care. It's a give and take thing. Now, I don't know how all this works in the mystery of God. His ultimate will is going to be accomplished. Church says amen. He will do what he has set out to do. If there's one thing this story communicates, it's that. No failure of man, no, no uh, demon in hell can stop his purposes from being done. But somewhere in there is this, this gap, this place where he allows us to choose whether we're going to be in that purpose with him or not. He's going to accomplish it. And I love what Andrew said well, ago. He doesn't need your money. News to you. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need you. 
but he loves you. And he wants you to be in a relationship with him. But he doesn't need you to accomplish what he's doing. But he would love to have you along if you're willing. It's the worst thing in the world to, to drag someone whose heels are locked, isn't it? In anything, he doesn't want to drag you along. He wants to invite you to come and be a part of his life. If you don't want to, you want to pass, then you go live it without him. But he's like fire. And as we wrap this up, please don't lose that image because that is something he wants to bring to you. No matter what you've heard in the past, what you think about him now, he is a fire and he wants you fired up. Okay? But you've got to be respectful of that fire. Because here's the deal. You can quench that fire. You can put it out. You can extinguish it. You can't extinguish the Holy Spirit. You can't extinguish His work and what He's doing and who He is. But you can extinguish, listen to me, the relationship with Him. You can. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. Here's one of the things that the Spirit wanted me to say about the Spirit, and that is you can quench Him. So he says, don't do that. Don't extinguish him. Don't put him out. And every one of us in this room, I'm guessing, has probably seen a fire put out. Campfire. Maybe it's your house. Kitchen fire. I hope not. But you've seen someone douse a fire and put it out. you maybe seen someone snuff a fire and put it out. And God says, don't do that. Every one of us in this room has seen that and know you can do that with a person, can't you? With a relationship, you can throw enough wet water of gossip and fault-finding and neglect and discouragement on a relationship, it will put out that fire, and sometimes you can't get it back. The Bible says you can do that with the person of the Holy Spirit. There are choices that we make that can either stifle the Spirit or stoke up the Spirit in our life as regards to a relationship. And and I just so want us to leave here today understanding you may have quenched it, may have been stifling it, but you can start today drawing a line in the stand and say, no more. <laughs> this far, but no more. I want His fire in me. For the first seven years of my Christian walk, I'd like to say I didn't know any better, but I, I became a Christian when I was 11 years old. But the first seven years of my life, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I, I, I walked into Christianity with a group of people who, if they didn't deny Him, were ignoring Him. But that was on me because I had this book in my hands and I could read. Have mercy, though, when I started to read. He was on every page. And I'm going, have how come we're not talking about Him? Are, are you seeing what He says He's going to do when He comes into our lives? Look around! Do you see that? Why not? Could it be because we decided to not stoke up this fire of a relationship? We decided to snuff it out? Could it be? I'm just asking you to consider the question. Could it be that's why you haven't experienced Him in your life? I don't know. I don't know the level of the Spirit that you've experienced. I can only speak for myself. And I can only speak for the hope and the dream that I have to be a part of a family who understands this and welcomes Him. I want to see what a church family who can't wait to be together because of the fire that's stoked up because of our focus on Jesus Christ and our belief in Jesus Christ and our call to the mission of Christ. It's the only reason why I'm here. 
Because he sent me here. That's another story for another day. Can I remind you that rudeness, like I did in the first lesson, comes in two forms? The first is this. Number one, you can be demeaning and belittling and chastising of another person. And that's just rude. Or you can ignore them. I think that's ruder, if that's a word. It's rudest. It's more rude. And it's so offensive. What God deserves is not to be ignored, but to be acknowledged and to be involved with. And relationship, any relationship does. Any relationship that I have ever been involved with that has anything, to, any substance to it at all, it, re it required my energy and focus and attention. Acquaintances, not so much. Relationships with friends, yes. And so, if it's a relationship with the Spirit that you want, that might require spending less time with your social media friends and spending more time with your spirit media friends. It may mean, may mean less effort at pursuing a hobby in sports and more effort at pursuing the Holy Spirit. And here's the good news. We can do that. We can. So what if, instead of beginning your day staring at a screen and ending your day by staring at a screen, the way you started that was, was talking to the Holy Spirit. Both when you woke up and when you went to bed at night, just starting there. Instead of looking at a screen before I go to bed and looking at it when I get up, instead I speak to the Spirit first. And He's the last one that I speak to. You say, well, Jimmy, what would I say? Glad you asked. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9, it says, don't you dare snuff out, don't you dare quench, don't you dare extinguish this Holy Spirit. Don't do that. He surrounds it with what you do do. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There you go. Now, I just wonder, what friendship couldn't benefit from a running conversation marked by heavy doses of what you're thankful for and grateful for? What do you think? Wouldn't you want to be in a friendship like that? That's what the Spirit wants from you. All of which is extremely difficult to do when you're running around frantically all the time. I just counted to eight. And that may be the longest pause, even if you enjoy this week. And that has to hurt God's heart. To see us running around so frantic and so crazy when it's our choice. You want to catch the wind of the Spirit? You want to catch the fire of the Spirit? Stop for a moment and be still. I hope the story's true. Kyle Alderman tells it about his little girl. She was in the backyard one day and she was chasing butterflies. They had a bush back there that attracted, he said, hundreds of butterflies. His daughter was five years old and she was trying to catch one of those butterflies and so Kyle was watching her. She was putting tons of energy and effort into grabbing one of those butterflies. Arms were flailing. She was out of breath, running around frantic. Kyle said, I'd walked out of the house. I'd just finished reading a book on spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation. And one of the things the author had just said was, it doesn't work to try and seize the food of the Spirit. You have to receive it. Some of you have experienced that. 
The more you try to grab hold of the fruit of the Spirit, the more elusive it becomes. If you've ever really tried to get a hold of some joy, my, that can be discouraging. you ever tried to seize some patience? That's exasperating. you ever tried to seize some peace? I'm going to get me some peace whether it kills me or not. <laughs> That's stressful. There are just some things that the more you try to grab hold of them, the more they elude you. So do what Kyle told his little girl to do. He walked up to her and he said, let's try a different strategy, babe. Go over and just sit in the grass. Kyle said, for a five-year-old, it's tough. For a 55-year-old, it's tough to sit still for anything that you desperately want to catch. But she listened to her father. And she went over and she sat in the grass and after a few minutes, a little butterfly landed on her knee. Now, of course, she grabbed the butterfly into that beautiful little picture. But I hope not the end of the lesson. You don't get a hold of the Holy Spirit. He gets a hold of you. And much of the time, He does that easiest if you'll be still and know that there's a God. So would you do that? If you're serious about this being more than just another way we spent Sunday morning, would you do that? Would you carve out some margin in your life to be still with Him? It can be in service. It can be in singing. It can be in study. But I think it's interesting that God commands us, you be still. That God commands us, you take some Sabbath so that you can know that I'm God. So, have you in the Spirit been doing lately? Can you recall the last time that in an unmistakable, undeniable way, He came and the room wasn't the same or the park wasn't the same or the car wasn't the same. He, he made His presence known in a way that's unusual. I'll be the first to tell you that that's not been something that's irregular in my life or I should say a daily in my life or a monthly, but it's pretty regular. I don't make it if I don't be still. still. I don't have the wind in my life. I don't have the fire in my life. And I hate it that I get up here week after week and sometimes you've seen it. Here's one of the things that I do, and I just spoke it out in the first lesson, but I put it up on the board for, the, for this morning because it may help somebody else. This is what I say in the morning when I wake up first thing. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Would you help me be the friend to you that you are to me? Help me say and do what makes me an influence for you. You lead, Spirit. I'll follow. I don't always do that, but that's how I start my day. Because I'm trying, I'm trying to grow in the idea that this Holy Spirit's a person, a powerful person with a purpose. And he'd like to take up residence in my body and use that body for his purposes and his glory. Now, if that makes you uncomfortable that a person would do that, read Acts chapter 5. That was in lesson chapter 1. You can, you can lie to God and lie to the Spirit at the same time. You can lie to the Spirit and lie to God at the same time. They're kind of interchangeable. You saw it in the lesson that was read, I mean, the scripture that was read a little bit earlier. You can fix your eyes on Jesus and you're fixing your eyes on Him and, and he's, he's transforming you through the Spirit or you can fix your heart on the Holy Spirit and Jesus is transforming. It's all, it's all interchangeable because it's all one God. I don't understand the mystery of that. But just know this, that when you take time to be still, he will speak. And the next challenge for you then is to be responsive. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and they will follow me. A stranger they won't follow, but they'll know my voice. 
How could you if you don't stop long enough to listen? In Acts chapter 7, we read about Stephen, and just before he's stoned for what he had to say to some religious folks who didn't want to hear what he had to say, he's talking to some religious leaders, and they've got some rocks in their hands. And I just want to say this. If you're ever invited to an elders meeting and there's something stone-like in their hand, don't go in. Don't stay long. In verse 51, Stephen says to these people, he says, you are prideful and you're stiff-necked. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And Stephen says, you're missing it. God is trying to do something in you and through you. He's trying to bring a kingdom to you, and you could be part of it, but you're prideful, and you've dug your heels into your traditions, and as a result, you're resisting the Holy Spirit's work in your life, and they beat the life out of him with those rocks. And you know what Scripture says as the epitaph is? It's not that he died because of hard stones. He died because of hard hearts. Hebrews 4 and verse 7 says, Today... If you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if at all you've heard His voice, don't harden your hearts. Because every time that you do harden your heart, it just leads to another time in which the Spirit speaks and it becomes easier and easier for you not to listen and not to respond. And some of you know what it's like for Him to speak to you here in this place. Other places, I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I'm hoping He does. But you've heard Him speak. He's nudged you. And I'm just going to say this when I talk about the Spirit speaking. For me, it's always in an avoidable impression, not an audible voice. It's always an avoidable impression. I don't have to respond to. And it's rarely or ever an audible voice. And you felt that avoidable impression to go and, and, and speak with an elder or talk with an elder and have somebody else wrap their arms around you and pray with them. And we've been singing those invitation songs, inviting you to come, and you've been more worried about what that elder will think or what that person next to you will think than what the Spirit could do in you. And I'm not saying that this is the best way in the world for us to respond as a family to each other's needs in our lives, but it's at least one. And so I'm not saying, okay, you've got to come down to the front today or you've got to go to the back today or this has been a miserable experience or we've missed the mark. No, I am saying, where are you responding is it in community group? Is it in a ladies' Bible class where you pull to the side and you go, I'm not doing so well walking in this alone. I need some others around me helping me to take the next step to what God is calling me to. And every time that you resist that welcoming of another person in your life, the heart just gets a little harder. And the Spirit's voice gets a little fainter. And it's not because He's not speaking. It's just that you're just not listening. Today, when the Spirit calls... Please respond to His voice. May we never bind the Holy Spirit with our organizational red tape. May we never restrict the Holy Spirit to boundaries of our comfort zone. May we never tie up the Holy Spirit with our traditions. May we never limit the Holy Spirit to our personal preferences. May we never squelch the Holy Spirit with our secret sin. May we never stifle the Holy Spirit with our self-help approaches. May we never inhibit the Holy Spirit with our inhibitions. May we never constrain the Holy Spirit with the constraints of a schedule. May we never confine the Holy Spirit to a building we call the church. No, instead, can we be the family of God that welcomes the wind of God and the fire of God to be the church of Jesus Christ in Kerrville, Texas? I'd like to end this series this way. If you would, please just stand. We're going to sing a song that you already know, so I want you to know that you can take some comfort. It's amazing to me how often we can sing theology better than we can talk it or pray it. 
And so we're going to sing some great theology about the Holy Spirit. We're going to sing to the Holy Spirit in just a moment. But I'm going to ask some of you to stretch a little bit and to just speak to Him. These are the words of the song we're about to sing. You're going to sing it, so I'm asking you as a church, I'm going to, to say it, and then you repeat it after me, okay? Here we go. Holy Spirit, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. One more time. Holy Spirit, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. May it be so. If you're here this morning as we sing this song and you, you want a relationship with this Holy Spirit and you know you don't have it because you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, I'm going to be down front. Just come find me.